This show is a part of the podcast network of the Walled Garden Philosophical Society, an international community of philosophers and seekers dedicated to the pursuit of truth, wisdom, virtue, and the divine, wherever they may be found. To find out more, go to thewalledgarden.com. Hello and welcome to Soul Searching with Seneca. So today we're still on letter number 24, on despising death, and we're just going to be focusing on verses 17 to 18 today. And so you might remember from the previous episodes that I've done on this letter that Seneca is really trying to call us away from this fear of death, you know, making this argument that if you can, essentially, if you can uh, uh, rid yourself of your fear of death, then that's almost the same thing as uh, ridding yourself of all fears that you could possibly have in life, because it's kind of like the final biggest thing that we all fear in life. And so in these next couple of verses, Seneca is continuing that line of thinking uh, and expanding on his argument about freeing yourself from the fear of death. But he starts out by giving us some thoughts about, you know, do we really need to fear uh, going into into poverty, for example, or going into exile? Is that something that we need to fear? Or uh, really, is this something that we can kind of overcome? Can we have courage in face of even these things? And then he talks about death later on in the couple of passages that we're about to read. So anyway, I'm going to dive in, we're going to read this, and then we'll see what we can take away. He says, quote, I may become a poor man. I shall then be one among many. I may be exiled, I shall then regard myself as born in the place to which I shall be sent. They may put me in chains. What then? Am I free from bonds now? Behold this clogging burden of a body, to which nature has fettered me. I shall die, you say. You mean to say, I shall cease to run the risk of sickness. I shall cease to run the risk of imprisonment. I shall cease to run the risk of death. I am not so foolish as to go through at this juncture the arguments which Epicurus harps upon, and say that the terrors of the world below are idle, that Ixion does not whirl around on his wheel, that Sisyphus does not shoulder his stone uphill, that a man's entrails cannot be restored and devoured every day. No one is so childish as to fear Cerberus, or the shadows, or the spectral garb of those who are held together by naught but their unfleshed bones. Death either annihilates us or strips us bare. If we are then released, there remains the better part, after the burden has been withdrawn. If we are annihilated, nothing remains. Good and bad are alike removed. End quote. All right, so let's pick this apart and see what we can take away from these couple of verses, because there are some really interesting ideas that I love here. So we'll start with these first couple of lines, which I think are are really kind of empowering uh, and really can help you to think about your fears in life, right? So he says, I may become a poor man. I shall then be one among many. So he's drawing upon the common shared experience of humanity and saying, listen, if, if I become poor, There's plenty of people who are going through this. What, am I so special that I should feel deep pain and and fear of this this kind of situation when so many people are living like this? 
you know, and and uh, and what makes me so special that I should actually have a fear about this sort of thing when people can and do endure this every single day? He says, I may be exiled. I shall then regard myself as born in the place to which I shall be sent. And here I'll again draw your attention back to that first episode that I did where I read that passage from his letter, uh, Consolation to Helvia, I believe it was, uh, where he's standing there in the island of Corsica, he's looking up at the stars and he's saying, as long as I can still track the stars and their movements and commune with what is divine, you know, he says, as long as I can do these things, what does it matter which ground I stand on? Seneca has this real idea of feeling at home in the world no matter where you are. And we can take great comfort in knowing that this actually came from true lived experience, right? He was exiled, like many philosophers of that time, like many wise people of that time. Uh, and so, you know, he understood the pain of being exiled from his country, but the way that he dealt with that, similar to what he's saying here, act as if you're born wherever you wherever you are, you know, that, that then it will become your home, which is a beautiful way of thinking about these sorts of things. And then he said, uh, they may put me in chains. What then? Am I free from bonds now? And this is a really common theme that often comes up in Seneca's writings, where he tries to get us to see that we are all slaves, right? We are all enslaved to something. You might be a slave to your desires, to your fears, to your hopes, to people in your life. You know, uh, there's all kinds of ways that we can be enslaved. And the chances that any of us are truly free is pretty much zero. You know, I think that the best option that we have in life is to choose what you're going to be enslaved to. And so Seneca is saying, look, they might put me in chains, but am I really free now? You know, what am I, what am I really losing? Again, he's, he's always coming back to this idea that we need to be, be able to go within and be satisfied with the goods that reside within ourselves, right, within the soul. And we'll talk about this more in, in, in these two passages. Uh, but uh, this idea is of true self-sufficiency and true freedom uh, means to at all times, well, according to Seneca, to at all times have what you need within you right here and right now. And so, if we were to look at this through a Stoic lens, you might say that, okay, well, Seneca is talking about being put in chains, let's say, by a tyrannical leader. It might be a preferred indifferent for that to not happen, right? Uh, Seneca would prefer that that sort of thing did not happen. But nonetheless, he always wants to remind himself that what he truly needs at all times can be found within right? Which will help him to think about these things and to not be, uh, not to be overcome by a fear of these sorts of things happening. And I think I'll just pause here for a moment and just, just note something that is coming up to me. You know, I think that it's important to talk about the fact that in many of our cultures today, we have very safe systems around us uh, that allow us the freedom from these kinds of fears that Seneca is talking about. I'm guessing that for most of you out there, the possibility of you being sent into exile or the possibility of you be putting into chains, uh, being put into chains or, uh, you know, all of these sorts of things, it's like you might not have that on your mind every day. But for somebody like Seneca, 
that's a completely different question. Somebody in the, in the the high stakes environment of of Roman politics, it's a completely different question. These sorts of fears, these sorts of anxieties, would be constantly popping up for people like Seneca. Uh, even you know, just for anybody living back in those times, the amount of things that they had to fear compared to what we in our modern cultures often have to fear, it's it's just not on the same level, right? Uh, and so this is a real conversation that Seneca is having about overcoming your fears because, I mean, if any of us lived back in those times, I would imagine if we were transported from our comfortable lives today, and I'm not saying that everybody has a comfortable life, I'm talking about, you know, myself and a lot of people who live in very safe cultures, if we were transported back into Seneca's time, how long do you reckon you'd last without (laughs) immediately becoming a blubbering mess of anxiety and stress and fear, uh, you know, over how we can survive in a time like that? I've often thought about that, and I mentioned this to Sharon the other day uh, when I was having a conversation with her about the beauty and the terror of nature. It's like, you know, we can walk out in these beautiful fields of wildflowers, right? But if we were just dropped into that environment with no civilization around us and no access to any sort of communication and we were just there, we had to survive, even a field of beautiful wildflowers would look horrifying to us because we'd start to think, how am I going to survive this? You know, how am I going to get out? How am I going to get to civilization? And so, you know, we really need to think about how this conversation that Seneca is having over fear and overcoming your fear of death, this is a conversation of high relevance and high importance, right? Uh, If you've got those real fears in the back of your mind. And so that should help us to also think, well, look, if Seneca is kind of working through these issues with fears like that, like going into exile, like uh, being sentenced to death, this this sort of thing, perhaps it can give us a bit more courage and confidence in our life to be able to deal with the fears that we currently deal with. Uh, especially if they're not necessarily on the same level uh, as as the, those which Seneca is talking about. So anyway, let's read these next couple of lines and, and, and dig in deep to them. So, uh, Behold this clogging burden of a body to which nature has fettered me. I shall die, you say. You mean to say, I shall cease to run the risk of sickness. I shall cease to run the risk of imprisonment. I shall cease to run the risk of death. And so here, Seneca is trying to change our perceptions around what it actually means to die. You know, he's saying, well, you know, okay, well, I shall die. Well, no, let's change the word death. What death is, is also a freedom from these sorts of burdens and risks that we run in our lives. This is certainly an interesting idea because what he's doing here is he's showing us a different side of death. He's showing us that there is also a release in death. There is a uh, relinquishing of certain burdens and risks uh, that we hold on to in this life, uh, that we are afraid of in this life. Do we fear after death? Do we still have anxiety after death? Do we still have all of these stresses after death? You know, and, and this actually reminds me of another quote from Seneca where he says that death is the wish of some, the relief of many, and the end of all, showing us that there is a relief in death for some people. Uh, and, and he actually believes this. He actually believes that this might actually be a relief to die. Uh, and one of the reasons why he believes that is because he believes that this kind of fleshy body that we are put into, we being the soul, right, uh, put into in this life, it's kind of uh, limiting, 
you know, it's kind of limiting. It it it, it kind of brings along with it a lot of uh, desires and needs, and you know, we've got to take care of it. But to Seneca, it's kind of a bit of a burden, right? Which is why he often talks about you know, despise the flesh, and learn to prioritize the goods of your soul, right? The soul, according to Seneca, being the superior part of ourselves, and that brings us to this last line in these passages that I want to uh, reread here. He says. Death either annihilates us or strips us bare. If we are then released, there remains the better part, after the burden has been withdrawn. If we are annihilated, nothing remains. Good and bad are alike removed. And so I'm going to do my best to put together a few pieces of this puzzle here and see if we can come out the other side with an understanding of what Seneca is getting at in this. And I, I don't know if I'll get it 100% right, but I'm going to try nonetheless. See, there are a few ideas that we need to bring together here. Firstly, Seneca talks about how God is within you. He is around you, right? He also talks about this idea that the soul is superior to the body. The soul is uh, essentially our spark of divinity that exists within in us that gives us access to the whole of which we are a part of, uh, right? And so, you know, when he says here that if it's basically just going to strip us bare, then what's going to happen is that it's going to release this kind of fleshy body part of ourselves, and what will remain is the better part. What is the better part to Seneca? We know this because he talks about how the soul is superior. It is superior to the body. So the better part will remain, meaning our soul, and it will essentially dissolve, you might say, into the whole of which we are a part of and have access to. And then he kind of says, well, look, if it's annihilation, then good and bad alike are removed and it's just, you know, nothing remains. Which is essentially to say that, you know, why would you fear death if it's either going to be the best part of ourselves that remains uh, and dissolves into the whole, or nothing will remain, in which case we don't get to fear or hope or have stress or, you know, there's not going to be any hell, there's not going to be any heaven, it's just going to be nothingness and, and what's really to fear about that. And of course, we can all give our reasons why that might be something to fear. But in the end, uh, you know, if you're in that kind of state, there's not going to be any perception of those fears. And so uh, why hold on to them now? And so as we're going through these episodes, what I really hope is that you're getting a deeper sense of uh, the way Seneca felt about being in the world, the way he felt about death, uh, you know, not only his philosophy, but his theology, you know, his perceptions of, of, of what it means that we have this soul, this spark of divinity within us, how that relates to the body. There's so many interesting ideas that really start to come together as you read from start to finish through Seneca's letters. And, uh, you know, the cool thing is we're almost uh, at the end of letter number 24, which means that we'll only have 100 letters to go, <laughs> which will probably take a fair few years here. But uh, I'm absolutely loving walking through these letters with you and, and seeing what I can take away from this and just always remember that these episodes are intended to be practical as well, meaning take some of the lessons that you've learned in these episodes and try to think about how they relate to you and your life and how they can inform your decisions moving forward. So uh, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, I think I'm going to leave it there and uh, we'll talk to you next time.